Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. I don't know about you, but I think the story of my life is that it feels like something is missing. For any of you that are familiar with the thing called the Enneagram, I'm in number four, and that seems to be the, the major piece of my life is that there's just this feeling that something's missing. That was easily reinforced in my life because there was a lot missing, <laughs> like parents and a childhood and support. And so it is in me to feel deeply the brokenness of this world and the harshness of the world and and just the, uh, the, the pain of this world. And sometimes the pain can grow enough in our life that it kind of puts God in eclipse. And God can kind of seem distant and unreal and unfair and unkind and, and not giving at all. But we don't live by our feelings. We live by our faith. And being a believer doesn't mean that you feel perfect feelings all the time. It means that you live your life with courage and, and faith in the generosity of, of an infinite God. And so your life is illuminated and inspired by hope. This last summer, uh, we were out at Yellowstone National Park. And I just have to get out in creation sometimes and just, just to kind of soak up the majesty of God in, in his art. And we were there um, at, at a place I'm about to show you, and, and I was feeling some of this deficit, some of this not-enoughness, some of this absence, some of the, the missing things. And then God just set me in front of, I, I took this video, God just set me in front of this. Um, I don't know, we just sat there for a long, long time just seeing this image and then listening to the power of, of this as a reminder of who God is. So I want you to think about your deficits right now. You may feel unloved. You may be struggling with finances. You may feel like you have a deficit in terms of, of health that's going to overwhelm you. But I want to remind you that God is speaking quietly and loudly, that he is shouting even in the silence of his creation, revealing who he is and how he loves. Now, can you imagine standing there waiting, and, and you're going to stay there until the water ends, right? I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this water. I'm going to watch it stop. And even the sound surprised me. I mean, that sound that you heard, you could see we're quite a distance away, but just, just the power of, of that, that flow, and, and it is a great reminder of the reality of who God is and how God loves and, and of the generosity that God has poured in our lives. 
And every time we believe in the generosity of God, in the overflow of his endless grace, there is a breakthrough in our lives. You see, we live in a broken world. The Bible tells us that this world is, is broken by sin. We are separated from God and from his life and from his love. But God has generously reconnected us or at least given us the offer of reconnection through Christ our Lord. And, but, but we live in this world in the midst of, of scarcity, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of, of so many hurtful things. And the reality is this world will never be enough. And so you can spend your life trying to get more and more of it. But I, I want to tell you that no matter how much you get in the world, it will never be enough for you. Because no matter how much you have, you will always want or need just a little bit more. It's true with the obvious things of addiction like drugs or alcohol. It's true in sexuality. It's true in finance. It's even true in time and certainly true in love. This world will never be enough to answer the pain and broken of your soul. So either we trade our self-centered world for a Christ-centered kingdom, or we live the rest of our lives in a mentality of scarcity and, and grubbing for ourselves and of denying others and of, of just sad, fearful living. Jesus gave us another way. In Mark 8, 34, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves to say no to the world. And take up their cross. In fact, they've got to give up their world. This world will never be enough. So why not give it away? You don't own the world, but you own your world. At least it's on lease to you for a, a few decades. Why not give up your life back to God? The God who generously created you in the first place. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospel will keep it. So there it is. We can trade a life of scarcity, a life of never enough, for a life of overflow and always enough in the, the grace of God. John 7, 38 is the promise of Jesus that I have to remind myself all the time with. You know, this, this goes against my own nature. It goes against, do not ever think that, that I stand before you and this is all just easy and, and that it just flows for me. That, that's not true. My flesh is my flesh. And the only way that I can follow Christ is I got to die to me. I got to trade worlds. Because in my world, the world I live in, um, I, it's just scarcity and desert and, 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 and not enough. But Jesus said in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, not had knowledge, not a, a shallow, uh, oh, I know that, but no, I mean like a, a, a trains crashing, um, uh, a total life change kind of way. Whoever truly believes in me and trades their life for my life, as the scripture has said, rivers of water will flow from within them. That's the promise of God for you. And, and it's endless. 
There will always be enough because you will never run out of the end of God. There will always be the generous overflow of God's saving grace, his loving grace, his joy, his peace, his, the endless, infinite goodness of God flows through everyone who truly has given away their lives to Jesus. And they live in the overflow. I want to share with you today um, that, that we have got to make a change at the church at Seven Run. We have been in kind of a really honestly sort of a, a maintenance mode for way too long. We've forgotten our mission. We've forgotten why we're here on planet Earth. We're not here to be more comfortable. We're not here to build ourselves a better life. We're not here uh, simply to, to get all we can of this world. We're here on a mission from God. We're here to, to go and make disciples of, of all nations. We're here to be the lived love of God in a broken world. We are not here on our agenda any longer if we're a follower of Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, you go ahead and go live your agenda. But don't you dare, don't I dare any longer to mix the agendas of gathering this broken world for ourselves and following the king towards his kingdom. Our mission is to, to reach as many disciples as possible, and we got to get busy doing that. we got to get back uh, believing that, that, that we have the abundance of God and, and the generosity of God at work in our life, the power of God, which is endless and unstoppable. And one of the things that is hindering the work of the Church of Seven Run um, is, is certainly our, our, our own generosity, our, our faith, our, our giving. We are flat and plateaued, and, and I don't think God's pleased with it. The truth is, a given life is a giving life. And if you are not a giving person, becoming a given person, if you are uh, thinking about yourself all the time, if you live with scarcity, um, and this even applies to blended families. You know, it irritates me if you marry somebody right? God has given you enough love for their children to love as your own children. You tell me that God's, there's a shortage of, of agape love on, on the part of God? No. When you've given your life to Jesus, you live a giving life, 360 degrees in every arena of your life. And there is a breakthrough when you believe that the rivers of living water flow through you in, in Christ. Question is, have you given your life? <laughs> have you given your life to Jesus? Is it yours or is it his? Because if you talk about your stuff and your money, then it's probably still your life. And you're probably still dead in your sins and headed for hell. Seriously. Mine is a four-letter word in the kingdom of God. You want to offend God? Use the word mine. Because he certainly didn't use that word on the cross. He said yours. And so, so if you are selfish and stingy with, with your grace, with your love, with your resources, with your time, um, then, then you need to check and see, have I truly given my life to Jesus? It's not mine any longer. No strings attached. All his to do whatever he wants. Is yours a given life? And if it is, then it will become an ever more, ever increasing giving life. Overflow. It's what happens the moment we truly believe. 
And from the infinite, endless generosity of God, his love overflowed to send his son Jesus to the earth. And when we believe in him and receive Jesus, give our lives away, then that same overflow from God that was in Christ is now Christ in us. And, and we get to, to die to a world that is never enough and live in a kingdom that is endless and in the generosity of God, we're evermore coming alive. For God so loved the world that his love overflowed, that he gave his one and only son, love gives, um, that, that whoever believes in him in a, in a hard, life-changing kind of way, a confident way, a, a, a way that alters the course of, of our destinies, that this person is not going to perish. They're not going to live in scarcity. They're not going to live in stupidity. They're not going to live um, satisfied in addiction. They're not going to live in broken sexuality, claiming Jesus and, 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 and sleeping with whom they wish. These people are going to not perish. They're not going to have a dying down life, but they're going to rise up with an everlasting, overflowing, unending grace kind of a life. That's the word of God. Have you given your life to Jesus? Honestly, I mean, are you willing to stake your eternity on the truth that your life is wholly his and not yours any longer? Not only are we pressed financially, we're pressed time and resources. This is one of the busiest regions in the nation. Of course, y'all hadn't noticed that, right? How many of y'all commute an hour or more? Okay, less of y'all in this service than I would have thought. One of our translators in Ethiopia uh, I'll mispronounce his name, so if any of you are fluent in Amharic, I think I'm safe. Um, you can correct me afterwards. But now Rainey, now, um, interesting enough, his, his name translated means now is a good time. I love it. I love his name. I told him. It's like, I want your name. You know, we're living in the past. We're living in the future. But no, now is a good time. Now works five jobs. Right? A, a dedicated 25-year-old, hard-charging follower of Jesus. And here's what he told me. He said, now how do, you, how do you manage five jobs? How do you juggle that? And he has his own little uh, TV show for, for youth in Ethiopia. He said, I arrange my schedule to serve my Lord. So for the rest of us who say, I don't have enough time, maybe that's because your schedule is arranging you. And, and maybe it's because... You have a scarcity mentality that doesn't fit in the, the overflow of, of God's life. Here's the simple truth. People who accept God's generosity, I mean, they open their arms, they open their hearts, they open their, their life to the generosity of God, and they believe they are loved, not because they are worthy, not because they deserve it, but because God is God, and He's so good, and He's so generous that, that it doesn't matter how bad I am, His bad, uh, my bad is overcome by His good, and, and they receive the generosity of God. They believe they're loved and lovable, and they receive His forgiveness, and His life begins to overflow. These people become God's generous people on earth. These people become the ones who, who have the two suckers and hand one out. Now, kids, you, you understand where Miss Allison was going with that two sucker thing, don't you? You're going to give that to somebody. Is that bad news? Y'all got it? And sometimes we become so generous that we give away both of them. I know that's a scandal. <laughs> 
But in a world of scarcity, in a world of, of brokenness, people who have experienced the joyful generosity of God and have begun to live in the endless overflow of that generosity, they are living breakthrough lives that startle other people around them, surprise other people around them. How could you be that generous with your forgiveness? How could you be that generous with your time? How could you be that generous with your attention? How could you have even thought of me when, when you are so busy? How? Because they are the incarnation of Christ, they are the generosity of God. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There's hell's agenda for your life. But I have come that they might have life, be fully alive, and they might have it to the full. This word translated to, to the full, it means like more than enough. It is an overflow word. Jesus has come into your world and invited you to trade your lack for his, his abundance. So this is kind of the, the setting of the stage of our overflow series. And we want to um, change the culture of our church to a more confident living in the overflow of God. We want breakthroughs to begin to happen in our lives as we trade our deficits for God's infinite supply. And today I want to specifically focus for a few minutes um, on setting a big umbrella framework for, for what it means to, 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 to be living a giving life and, and to be giving financially. I believe with all my heart that Jesus talked about financial giving not because he needed our dollars, but because, because he needed to teach his children faith and trust. How much sense does it make? To actually believe that there is a God who created the universe. That he, he did this by, by speaking. How, how hard is it to believe that this, that this God who, who created the universe and who's going to save our souls from eternal hell, how hard is it to believe that the God who's capable of that in the beginning and that in the end is, is capable of handling our finances in the middle? Well, evidently it's pretty hard because a lot of us don't. Again, all of my life, um, you know, this has certainly been a struggle. When I was in high school, I used to assume that I had the gift of faith. I really did, financially, you know, because I never worried about money. And the reason I didn't worry about money, I, I realized in college, was because I didn't, I, I had money. Now, I made $8,500 a year or so as a minister of maintenance, working full-time in high school. All right, I was a janitor. <laughs> spent, spent a lot of time in Sunday school classrooms. And I can remember thinking, you know, that, that my senior year, you know, I really, I, don't, I must have a lot of faith. I don't worry about money. I just, you know. And then my pastor challenged me to tithe. It's like, I really don't want to because I really want to, you know, I was buying a car and saving for college. And, and, and then I realized, okay, no, 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 I, I've got to start this now. And so, so I, I did. And then I got to college and, and I didn't have that, that income. And I realized I didn't have faith before. I just had money. And God was challenging me to give to teach me to trust. And, and so this is why Jesus talked, um, you know, there's you know, multiple scholars. And I just want to be, you know, five, six, seven name scholars that I could give you as resources. Uh, I haven't personally counted myself. Full disclosure, Jesus talks 11 times more about money than heaven. Why? Because we're more concerned about money than heaven. Why? Because... Because this is the real world arena where we learn how to, to trust God. So, 
I'm in a place of transition as my, myself personally, you know, um, and, and, and so I want to kind of share with you where I am in terms of, of what I believe about giving and, and, and living in the generosity of God uh, in this season of life. Now, here's the foundation. The New Testament replaces all of the Old Testament with infinitely more. You know, when there's a law uh, and then a new law is passed, the new law replaces the old law. Used to be a law uh, in, in a town in Oklahoma I was where you could, not, uh, you could not tie up your horse on Main Street. And it was still on the books in the 1970s. Well, they replaced the law so that although it did exist, it was no longer valid. The new covenant has replaced the old covenant, has fulfilled the old covenant. And so, honestly, before I would have taught you that God's plan for your giving is simply to tithe. But I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that fully in the same way anymore. And here's why. In the Old Testament, um, the, the way that, that kind of things begin in terms of God's interaction with us is, is that God uh, gave us tablets of stone with Ten Commandments written on it. Exodus 34, all through Exodus, um, there, there is a revelation of the finger of God inscribing uh, on stone the, um, the, the word of God. And then in Ezekiel uh, chapter 11, we see a foreshadowing of the new covenant and of what God has done now in Christ and, and was going to do. And he's talking about in that day, okay, the day of the, of the new covenant. In that day, I will give them an undivided heart. Undivided, holistic, not half in the world and half in the Father. All in, inspired. And I will put a new spirit in them. And I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And the scripture goes on to say um, in, in 2 Corinthians that, that he will write no longer with his finger in stone, but he will write his will in hearts in tablets of flesh. So that in the New Testament, the way that, that this works is that, that everything is an and more so reality. And it is all towards the cross. Well, that didn't work is all towards the cross, and it is all from a new heart, a changed heart. And so this and more so reality is, is, is seen in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I'm, I know that you're familiar with it. And in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus illustrates how far that he exceeds all of the laws, that, that we're not staying down here on written rules anymore, that, that when we believe, we exceed what the law says in, in all circumstances. It's phrased like this, and you've heard it said, but I say to you. I mean, it's over and over again. And imagine, put yourself in that day, here's Jesus talking with a, a Jewish audience who's built on, on lifelong obedience to the Torah, and here's Jesus announcing the radical launch of the, the, the generous new kingdom that God is bringing. 
in, in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, And you've heard it said, but I say to you, You've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder. Uh, and anyone who murders somebody will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to a brother or sister, you fool, is in danger of the fires of hell. Oh my gosh. I think I like the other. Because like, like if you made me mad, I could just hate you and not kill you and I'm good. I hate you. Love you, God. That's the old covenant in a sense. In the new covenant, I can't do that anymore. Not only do I have to, to not kill you, I now have to forgive you and love you. And the end more so continues. In verse 27, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, I'll stick to my wife. But man, she is looking good. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Oh, come on, God, really? Yeah, really. And it's an and more so movement all the way throughout the scriptures. Um, verse 32, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife for any reason must give her a certificate. But I tell you that you cannot put away your wife for just any and every reason. There's, there's this total um, movement upwards, above and beyond, above and beyond, above and beyond. Verse 33, again, you've heard it said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the vows that you've made. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Verse 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Oh my gosh, Jesus, are you serious? Verse 43, you've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. I, I think that's fair, don't you? Love the people who love you and hate the people who hate you. I, that, I, can, I can live with that, right? Jesus says, but I tell you, my kingdom is going way above and beyond that. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, who's generous, infinitely, endlessly generous. So here's the difference for me. In terms of our giving, I, I don't believe anymore that we start with the, um, that, that we end with the, the minimum of, of the tithe in, in the Old Testament. I believe with all my heart that the, the command of tithe in the 10% was sort of the, the beginning to teach us to trust. And I believe that when you go into the New Testament, you see the end more so already at work in this new uh, overflowing community. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Oh my gosh. Now, I'm not suggesting that we form, that's not communism, it was communalism. I'm just telling you what the apex looks like in the kingdom of heaven. No scarcity mentality. No use of the word mine at all. Nothing is mine. It all belongs to God. It's for his for his use, my time belongs to God. My resources belong to God. Why? Because my life belongs to God. It's a given life. And a given, given life is a giving life. We need to change. And we need to have a new heart. And we need to live, not from the scarcity of this world, which says there's not enough resources, but from the abundance of the kingdom, which says you can never outgive God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin the journey of generosity. 
We're going to talk about this holistically, 360 degrees in life, but I'm very specifically today saying that we have to begin, if this church is going to begin to, to, to change the world and move to where it needs to, to go, then, then we need to, God's people who claim that they've received God's gener, generosity, we need God's people to be God's generous people. We need to, to create a culture of confident trust in the overflow of God without scarcity, and we need to give to God and, and learn that we can never outgive Him. Can you trust the God who you believe can save your soul from hell? Can you trust him to manage your money? I think we can. And, and so I want to challenge you to begin a movement towards 10%. Take the 2% challenge. If you're giving nothing now, tipping God, well then take the challenge of giving 2%. If you're at 4, then move to 6. If you're at 6, then, then move to 8. If you're at 8, then move to 10 because the whole point is you're not trying to, to keep legalistic minimums and, and, and give God as little as I can and keep as much as I can for myself because, because there's not enough. There's not enough. And, and I might need more. No, we're living in the overflow. This world will never be enough, but the kingdom of God will always be enough. But here's the difference. I want you to grow, beyond, grow generous beyond the 10% because we can never outgive God. The New Testament believers, you know, they would never have thought of stopping at 10%. They were giving, even in poverty, way and above and beyond. Why? Because they experienced the generosity of God and because they knew that God wanted them to express uh, and be the expression of his generosity in, in a scarcity world. I want to just close with this verse, 2 Corinthians 9 uh, this passage, uh, verses 6 through 11, these are gonna, we're going to unpack these a lot in the days to come, but I just want you to listen to the spirit of things. And I just want to tell you, as a pastor, it was easier just to say everybody tithe, but, but we're in a different place. So listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is, this is heart stuff, right? And you got to get honest with yourself and own where your heart really is. And if you really struggle with giving, then, then just be honest and, and ask yourself, am I really struggling with trusting? Um, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, now verse 7 is really the scary part for me as a pastor because the law was easier than, than the and more so grace of the New Testament. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly. No hesitation, confidently, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, and this was my life verse last year, but it was funny, as God gave me this verse, he just gave it and I needed to live it out of my deficit, you know, uh, living. I really didn't note hard the context of it in terms of the financial giving that it really is, is, is talking about. It's comprehensive, but it's said in the context of trusting God with our our. our physical resources. And God is able to bless you abundantly, right? So you're living in a scarcity moment, a scarcity uh, context or circumstance, circumstance right now. Just listen. God is able to bless you abundantly to the overflow so that in all things, okay, does anybody here have anything going on in their life that doesn't fit under the category of all things? Anything above all things? Okay. At all times, does anybody have a time in their life that isn't, um, you know, covered by, by that from beginning to end? At all times, 
having all that you need. Okay, this is the word of God. It's either true or it's not. We either live it out of our confidence in the generosity of God or we should chuck our Bibles in the garbage can. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Your life is an inspired life with eternal purpose. Our purpose on earth isn't to gather as much of this dying uh, desert world as we can. Our purpose on earth is to reveal the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And so, so that's what we do. We, we abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Listen to verse 10. It really echoes Malachi um, 3, 8 through 10, which God says, test me in this and trust me and see if I will not pour out the, the storehouses. But again, we're not stopping at that 10% minimum. We're, we're hearing the, 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 the wonderful, amazing, scary call of God to generosity beyond that. Now he, supplies, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People who accept God's generosity, they become God's generosity in a scarcity world. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to die to the fear of not enough in your life. Of not being enough of not having enough, and then fill in the blank, having enough what? Time, love, resources, um, bandwidth, whatever it is. Die to the fear of not enough. Because not enough doesn't exist in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? I'm making sure I've still got you with me. Some of y'all have been looking at me wide-eyed during the last part of this message. And here's what I want to challenge you to do in every arena of your life, including your finances. This is holistic. I want you to choose today, having given your life to Jesus. Maybe some of you need to, to refocus your life really with great clarity and to, to live in the overflow of more than enough. I have more than enough time to do everything God has called me to do. I have more than enough resources to, to, to do everything on this, this world, in this world that God has, has called me to do. More than enough, more than enough, more than enough because I cannot give more than God has given to me in Christ. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would truly be a lot of profound dying willing to going on and, and, and the giving of our lives to you. And Father, maybe the returning and the re-giving of our lives back to you, not in salvation, but in rededication to say, God, no, I have taken the reins of my, my life. My fears have been rampant, but God, today, I choose to die to my fears. And I choose to die to everything in my life that screams not enough, and I choose to live in the overflow of your riches in Jesus Christ. Father, this is my prayer of blessing and, and your will for this church. In Jesus, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.